Hey folks, we are joined this week by Ben McCann. He is coming off a really successful season at the Toyota Series level after a uh, kind of interesting route to getting there. He ended up with not a lot of options at the beginning of the season, fished the Northern Division, almost won AOI, and uh, now next year he's going to be on the Invitationals. He's 23 years old. He's you know shortly removed from a very limited high school fishing career. He's uh, just kind of an interesting cat. He had an interesting season. He's got a dope boat, and uh, I, I really want to talk to him. And so here he is, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn more about, you know, a guy who is making a pretty serious go of it in pro fishing and is fishing out of a uh, very old boat with actually not that much experience and m- super making it happen. Alrighty, and we are joined now by uh, Ben McCann, who had a really good season in the Northern Division of the Toyota Series. Actually lost the tiebreaker for AOI, which I'm sure we'll get into. It sounds like it was a tumultuous year throughout. Uh, And then finished 30th in the Toyota Series Championship, which was also, you know, another really good finish. And uh, Ben, I guess you're signed up for the Invitationals next year, so we're going to see more of you. But dude, congrats on on a really good year. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Um, before we dive too much in, can you just tell me a little bit more about yourself? Because you you're 23 years old. You we've talked a little bit sort of pre-show, and you mentioned free diving and duck hunting and offshore boats and like you're from Florida. And it feels like I was on your Instagram. I think you were like killing hogs or boar or something. And I was like, yeah. this guy does like everything so what's what's your story like how did you get here (laughs) yeah so uh just a quick introduction you know my name's obviously ben mccann i'm 23 just turned 23 i'm a i'm a born and raised florida boy um always have been kind of thinking of moving out of state now but for now it's been born and raised florida boy vibes um and yeah i've kind of just dabbled with a little bit of everything um i think a lot of people kind of have pretty strong role models growing up sometimes or like fishing this, fishing that or whatever, and kind of get influenced in some ways. Um, my dad's a deer hunter, but he's not a bass fisherman, not a fly fisherman, nothing like that. So bass fishing was something that I was always drawn to from watching TV shows. I saw TV shows all the time. I didn't live by any bodies of water. Um, if you're unfamiliar with where I live, it's Bradenton, Florida. It's on the West coast and it's about two to two and a half hours from any tournament lake I've fished. Um, so there's not a whole lot of options close to home other than ponds, like residential stuff or really, really small under the radar, Florida bodies of water. So, uh, any of the bass fishing stuff that kind of got me going was mainly just all off TV. Um, and then when I got a little older and got a phone and things like that, it turned into YouTube videos and all sorts of stuff that would kind of get you going and get you excited about things. So I kind of started out on that route. Um, my first ever bait caster was from a, like a mall that was closing down. And so that's just kind of how I got into it is I picked up little pieces along the way and just started doing things as as a, at a really young age. And I was just really excited, um, mainly just off the things I saw to get into it. Um, and I did a lot of fishing from the bank, from beaches on foot, on a bike. Um, we eventually moved when I got a little older and I just started fishing 
everywhere I could. Didn't matter if it was a five foot wide ditch or, uh, you know, channels or whatever. I actually started out first tournaments I ever fished were saltwater tournaments. So I did a lot of flats fishing and then I kind of turned into a little bridge rat. I was running around on bridges with big conventionals and catching big old tarpon and snook. And then I started doing a bunch of the nighttime fishing like that. And then I eventually kind of got a opportunity a little bit to do some high school bass fishing stuff for like the last year and a half of high school. We had to make a club and all that because we didn't have one there, but I kind of, I ended up buying a John, it's just a long story, but ended up buying a John boat, converted into a bass boat. And then my parents were like, he's really got the itch, you know, and I kept begging him, you know, I, I really want to fish, you know, the high school tournaments. And so finally they gave in and, uh, we started actually on a borrowed boat, but we, you know, took the time to make a club, started on a bar boat. First time I ever fished was on a, a 22 foot, uh, cat boat. It was a, like a bay boat. It's called twin V with like okay. a center console. Sweet. It had twin nineties on the back. And so kind of, that's a little bit of rundown, but been all definitely a white trolling motor on that. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, dude. So, Tell me about, I guess Florida is an awesome place to like not have a boat because there's water everywhere. And if you're like a kid growing up, I feel like you could catch a bass like every 10 feet, I suppose. But like, how did you, how did you go from like just watching fishing and fishing around to high school fishing without a, like some tournament influence in your life? Like, was it some other kids? Was it literally you watched it on TV, you watched it on YouTube and you're like, Hey, I want to do this too. It, it was mainly just watching on TV and YouTube and stuff. And I, awesome. uh, obviously just running around ponds and, and whatnot. Um, I'd kind of build up a little bit of like an Instagram following and just doing saltwater, like close to home stuff. Um, and so I was fairly, you know, active on Instagram and, uh, you know, I'd see, you know, pictures, kids would post doing the, the high school tournaments and stuff. And I just kind of want, I was really drawn to it. Um, you know, everybody's got their opinions, but I've personally always thought bass fishing is a little more intricate than the saltwater stuff scheme of things, you know, especially soaking big live baits or something. Uh, to me, it's, it's always been a little more fascinating. Um, and I felt like a little more challenging. So I always really enjoyed doing it. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of watching it was mainly what got me hooked and then seeing other people doing it and, and really just wanting that. So I, you know, I, like I said, I ended up getting a John boat and then uh, I tore it apart, built, you know, the old plywood deck on it, carpeted it, you know, put a, uh, went and got storage bins and cut them down and fit them to fit the 16 foot boat. That was a duck boat, bass boat, everything boat, you know, Facebook marketplace, my way to somewhat a decent little rig. Um, and kind of started once I was old enough to drive like 16, started trailering that around everywhere you could think of close <laughs> and started branching out. You know, the first big lake I ever fished was Istapoga, um, which right. is like an hour, 40 minutes. Uh, it's not super well known, but Lake Istapoga, you know, especially when it had good grass, used to hold giant fish. I mean, it still does. But uh, so that was the first place I ever went. And then um, we got a, a club started like midway through my junior year of high school. And that was like the first bass tournament I ever fished. Um, I fished three. First one was out of that... Uh, cat boat that offshore boat um we caught like three fish none measured or they didn't count for what we thought anyways we dumped them back and then uh, like 12th out of 72 on Estapoga, and then like third on okeechobee and started getting a little bit of traction and going into the se- senior year about 
second tournament in, we eventually bought our own like 17 foot Triton, an old Triton, a little, little old Triton. The same like one, not the same one, right? Or was oh, the same no, Triton? not the same one. Okay. Yeah, I, I bought, a, yeah, I bought both my my Tritons now, but uh, yeah, it kind of got going that way, and a lot of begging, a lot of, you know. Really, I kind of had to grind for it for a bit to, to convince my parents that I really want to do that. And then they kind of gave me a little bit of an avenue to express that dream and get it going a little bit. And then I kind of took over when I went out of high school. Cool. And then, so you graduate high school, you fished a bunch of high school stuff. And a lot of, a lot of people nowadays are like, they go and they fish in college, but you didn't fish in college. Like I'm... I'm guessing, were you thinking about it? Did you want to go to college or did that just not appeal to you as an avenue? And so you, you figured out different ways. Yeah. So I had a very short lived high school career because I only got three tournaments my junior year out of probably a 20 tournament trail. So just yeah. like a blip of a year, I got to and do there's just a lot an of, entry. There's a lot of high school fishing in, uh, in Florida. Like there's that, like Texas yeah. is really big on it, but Florida, I think there's like, some kind of youth anglers or like teen anglers or something like that. Like there's yeah, a bunch they, of things going on in Florida for high yeah. school. I know they got, I know they got Bass Nation. I know they got that like TBA or whatever it's called. Uh, it's a student something angler yeah, thing, yeah. but they, they got a couple Tyler different. Wolcott fished a bunch of it. I remember. I, I, yeah, I, I, don't, think so too. I forget what it was called, but yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I really only got like one solid senior year in of, of fishing like a trail and uh, man, it, I fished every single second I could. I just, <laughs> I just was ate up and I wanted to make the most of it. Uh, we ended up getting to go to nationals and did that. Um, but the boat we had was, it was like a 17 foot Triton. And so when I got out of high school, my little brother, um, Josh, uh, I don't know if many bass people would know him, but um he was my tournament partner so when and he was younger than me given that he was my little brother so once i got out of high school him and his friend wanted to finish their senior year so i didn't have a boat because that was the only family boat and it was a 17 foot you know little just a little old triton yeah. um and so i got out of high school and uh had the summer i started working and uh it came down to to you know time to hop into college or figure out what I was going to do, you know, kind of coming down to, to the end of it there. And, uh, I decided, you know what, let me go to college. I'll, I'll hop in community college. And, uh, we ended up talking to a local community college and they were really interested in starting bass program, given that we, you know, there wasn't one at the previous school. We had to start it ourselves that we had, you know, some familiar, familiarity with, uh, how to get that whole process going and how to start a club. So it wasn't like a daunting thought to get that going at a, at a college and kind of get that started. And given that they were open to it, um, we were kind of all ears. So I uh, ended up enrolling in community college. I did like two days of classes and uh, just the classes, like not fishing related. Um, it was just an entire repeat of high school pretty much from what they were telling me and the classes I was taking. And the knowledge I already picked up in, in uh, high school as to, you know, what I'm actually being taught. And I just really early on was feeling like it wasn't for me. Um, and I said, you know what, like, just stick it out. Do, do, you know, go through all, at least see all your classes and see what's going on. Um, and uh, sure enough, like the last class, I think it was like a theology class or something. It was like talking like theory and stuff. 
And somehow the lesson that the professor was giving winded into how college is essentially a waste of time for some people. And <laughs> I was just like, uh, you, you, got, you got me you know, there. You, you put a nail in the coffin. So uh, I ended up kind of uh, unenrolling. I just withdraw, you know, I guess dropped out or whatever you want to say um, from that. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to work. And um, I obviously thought about it a little bit more than that. And uh, my thoughts about it was, this is my honest thoughts was, you know, if I'm given, let's say, okay, so if you're trying to pursue a professional bass fishing career, you spend four years in college, you're doing all this, you know, you're kind of sidetracked that if you've got a ton of classes, you got to compete or complete in all sorts of other tasks that you don't get to just focus on one thing. And then when you're out of college, you're older, you're probably wanting to get married as well in that time, you know, and so it's a lot to do in a very short period of time after college fishing. And so my thought was, okay, well, if I, instead of spending four years in college, spend four years working and fishing, chances are coming out of that, that I'll be right on track or be able to compete at least with those anglers or be maybe ahead of the curve. Um, if I really busted butt is what I felt like. Um, unfortunately I got a little setback cause I didn't have a boat to fish out of, you know, for like the first year and change cause I, I had to work until I saved up a little bit. And then I eventually got my own boat, TR 20 and, uh, redid that boat. It was an old boat. I bought it for like eight grand, 10 grand, popped a couple motors on that and kind of worked my way into being a little more comfortable in, in the adult tournaments and to put them in now. But yeah, it's kind of how I got there that go. going. All right. That's uh. so that boat is, first of all, I guess you don't realize how big some like modern bass boats are, right? Because it's your boat, it's got a 250 on it and it's like actually, I guess a full size boat, but then you look at it like next to like a 21 PHX or something. And you're like, wow, that boat looks tiny. And so I'm like it's walking tight. down, I'm walking down at the docks <laughs> at the St. Lawrence. I remember, and I was talking to you and I was like, and you were like, yeah, I'm running out to the line or whatever. And I was like, in my house, like this guy is doing what? <laughs> He's like, how is he alive? And because that's from Messina, it's so far. That was like one of my first introductions. I'm like, holy smokes, this kid is crazy. Um, but it worked, obviously. And uh, yeah, you know, it. You had a, you've got a Suzuki on it, which is like I've heard they're, all, I've always heard they're bulletproof, and I guess you proved it this year running that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, um... And so like that's I awesome. wish I had it. Yeah, I wish I had a photo to show you the the lower unit right now and just how beat up and how many just everything I've put that motor through and what it still withstands. But uh it's a you said a perfect bulletproof. Um we got them on offshore boats. Okay. You know, I free dive and spearfish and all that stuff offshore, so I'm used to running them. Um and they're phenomenal. Um that was actually the first ever like new motor I'd ever put on a boat. It was all like used old, those, uh, EFIs. You got to premix everything. That's what I was used yeah. to. So when I got that thing, I was like, heck yeah. Oh, so, dude, going to a four now. stroke, you don't realize how luxurious a four stroke is when you don't have to worry about you, oil yeah. anymore. It's like yeah. amazing. And I never had yeah. ones you had to mix. I always just had like, a, you know, a two stroke Merc or a two stroke Evernerd where you just had a, a reservoir. Right. And realizing that you just don't even need to think about it is incredible yeah it's so nice i uh it, it just takes so much you, you you can keep more things in your boat too because i remember i had to keep all these mixing things and oil and all sorts of crap in the back hatch made a mess everywhere and 
just, you know, kind of a funny part of my career. I always look back on that and think that was just kind of crazy that I was doing all that stuff because yeah. there was, I, I blew like three different motors in tournaments. Actually, Tabor Rock Lake, that Bass Pro US Open, I blew a motor on like two years ago. Oh, I have wow. a red boat. All right, yeah. so you've been there. You've been there before, then. So tell me, I want to talk fishing. I want to get into this sort of like near-term history. But what you're you're fishing a lot, and you're not doing you're you're doing pretty good at it. But it's also AAA fishing, which is hard to like make a living off of. So what are you doing around fishing to buy a boat to fund the entry fees? Like, what's your work situation look like? Because it sounds like really interesting. And some people, it's like, yeah, I work construction and then fish on the side. And you're like, all right, that adds up. And I feel like you have like maybe multiple jobs or maybe just really cool ones. It's really not that I wish I, I kind of wish I could like pull a rabbit out of my hat here and say something crazy, but it's, it's really not all that awesome. I mean, I buy and sell some things. Um, both the boats I have, they're not, I mean, you said it, it looks nothing like a, a you know, new souped up tournament Cadillac. Um, so they're all they're all old boats anyways. Like the first one I bought for like eight, um, and this one I bought for like I want to say fifteen, and then swapped everything okay. over myself and completely redid and tore power. And you've got a super boats. sweet van to tow with, so you keep the cost yeah. down and everything. Like you're yeah, you're just doing it as about as cheap as possible, which is a really yeah. good way to do it. <laughs> it. Works, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only things that I can afford to splurge on is tackle. Uh, I go crazy with tackle, um, and especially traveling like I did this year, those places, you can't go throw a speed worm in, uh, you know, the Canadian side of wherever it was, St. Lawrence. You can't go drag yep. around an eight-inch speed worm or a popping frog. So, yeah, you know, to kind of get a little bit of tackle for those places, I really kind of had to branch out and uh, – spend some cash to, to, to kind of get that going and get a little bit of an arsenal for just to be able to fish, you know, some of those places. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I try and keep it kind of light. Um, but for work, I, uh, what I actually do is I actually work for my dad. Um, but it's a, uh, done it since I got out of high school and it's like a garage storage systems company. So anything you could think of that, you know, you would put in a garage to help you store things. That's what I install. I'm a technician, so I install things. Okay. Uh, storage systems like, you know, cabinets, floors, shelves, stuff I like mean, anything, benches, flat anything. wall. Yeah, if you were to look up a picture of like a souped up garage or like, you know, some dream garage type thing, that's what I do. I install all sorts of that stuff. I've done it for, I think, going on like four years now. Um, and it works out because I'm pretty darn good at building things and fixing things and messing with stuff and creating yeah, things. That's, that's cool. Like that, that's cool. Yeah. And I'm sure whenever you get to a point where you're building your own garage, it's going to be pretty dope. <laughs> or you'll be like, I'm so <laughs> sick of building garages. I'm yeah. just putting, think, it's going to be a concrete slab and that's it. <laughs> I think about that all the time is like, I wonder if I'll actually like soup it out. Like I've been doing to everybody else's or if I'll just be like, dude, I'm so happy that I finally have a garage, but I don't want to touch it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's my work situation. I mean, it it's not like I get paid phenomenally well. I just, thankfully, I still uh, live at home, which also cuts down a yeah, lot of yeah. costs. Not like I own a house yet. I'm trying to get that figured out. But in Florida, I mean, the housing market, I'm sure everywhere, but Florida is like, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. It's well, the so the thing is, like, 
you know, just like they're like, if you're, if you're 23 and just coming out of college, there's a really good chance you don't have all this stuff set up either. Right. Like one of the, yep. Yep, for I think sure. one of the reasons you see so many guys who are pretty young being very successful at, you know, at tournament fishing is because there's a lot of like the extra life things that you don't necessarily have to worry about yet. Right. Because yeah, yeah. you, you can live at home. You, aren't like trying to juggle a family and stuff like that. And like you, if you have, if whatever your job is, like it might not be like, it might not be responsible enough, so to speak, where it's like really critical that you're there all the time because you can dip in and out and you can make money when you need to. And then also go run off and fish, which is like actually a really great way to like, have enough time to fish and have enough time to commit as much as you need to like to trying to be a pro fisherman. Yeah. Um, so tell me about this year. So you end up fishing the Northern division. You fished one Southern event. Uh, you fished really good in the BFLs, like top 10 in points the last two years. Well, last year and this year, but then like, had you been to Champlain or the St. Lawrence or the Potomac at all before? Like, was that, that seems like just a wild jump for you to be like, yeah, I'm fishing BFLs in Florida and now I'm fishing the Northern division. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'd never, I'd never been up there. I don't know anything about smallmouth. Uh, I'd never fished for Northern. Yeah, I do now. The, the most Northern I'd been for, um, I guess like bass fishing would have been Table Rock Lake. Um, which was like a week out of my life. Outside of that, uh, high school nationals, senior year of high school, um, I got to go to Kentucky Lake, um, and I qualified for regionals, so I got to fish on Murray. But like outside of that, that's pretty much all the scope that I know as far as outside. You're just dead Florida, southeast. Florida, yeah, mainly just Florida. Um, I would say what really helped me in that regard to branch out and fish something like that is – I mean, you'd think like, oh, yeah, you know, you're from Florida. You know it like the back of your hand. But really, like I said, like I'm like two hours from a lot of these places. And I'm sure people, a lot of people got drive time. But uh, they fish a lot different than anything I have close to home. You know, I mean, you can get them to eat a frog in a pond. You can get me to eat a frog on a lake. But the way the fish act uh, is just different. So I'm kind of just used to just figuring out wherever I am. So it's not a daunting thought given that like my dad doesn't bass fish or nothing like that either, that when we were on the high school trail, it was just go figure it out yourself. Like we, uh, the best place we did or the, the best region we did well in was the farthest away from what everybody knew. It was North Florida, uh, Lake Talquin and Seminole, which I'd never been to either of those okay. events. Got first in two seconds up there. Oh, sweet. Um, and yeah, just fishing those, those high school events, um, which was, it was, and you know, our big advantage was it was just what people didn't know and I'm comfortable just kind of adapting to whatever. Um, so that's kind of when I, when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to fish. So, you know, what kind of made me fish up there was that, uh, I did, I went to enter that first Harris chain Southern Toyota. The field was capped when I went to, to, uh, register. Um, and so I was like, well, I guess I'm not competing in points in Southerns. Um, and then yeah. by the time that I was like, you know what, I really do want to make something out of this year, you know, cause I had a pretty good year last year fishing BFLs and a bunch of ABA stuff that I was like, I want to like 
you know, do something a little bigger. Um, I, I wanted to fish and compete in points in, in Toyotas in some region. So I looked up what was available left on the table to fish all three in. It was, I'm probably butchering the name, but it was like Northeast or something. It was uh, like Kentucky Lake and like Grand Lake or something else oh, in that, in that uh, region. That's country. the Plains Division. Right? Plains Division, yeah. Yeah, Plains, so you had Plains uh, and Northern and that's it. <laughs> Plains and Northern. And so okay. I looked it up. I'd been to Kentucky Lake. Um I don't dislike Kentucky Lake, but I mean, I don't like it. And the other places, I was just like, I don't know. And so you missed a good, up, you picked a good one to miss at Grand Lake. If I remember correctly, it was super cold and guys caught like three fish a day. You didn't miss, you, it was good you weren't there. Grand Lake sucks. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of figured that when I looked up the Northern schedule, one of the lakes was the Potomac, which is grass. Yep. Uh, in the research that I did on Champlain, uh, clean water. It's also got grass and it's got largemouth. And St. Lawrence is smallmouth capital of everywhere, pretty much, Ooh, it seems yeah. like. So um, I never got to experience that. And I said, bare minimum, St. Lawrence would be a cool experience. Potomac, grass, eh, I'll probably be fine, probably be able to figure something out. And Champlain, it's another smallmouth fishery. They mentioned something about bedding, which I have no clue, you know, what times fish were doing what, you know, up there, but I heard bedding. And, uh, that means shallow fish. And I said, we'll give it a go. So, uh, I went ahead and fished them. Uh, you know, I went up there and practiced for them and it, you know, kind of shook out how it shook out. I really didn't know if it was going to work out or not. It was definitely high risk, uh, high reward kind of situation. Um, and I just kind of relied on my ability to break down, you know, bodies of water, kind of like I do at home or anywhere, you know, any of these bass guys go and, uh, just relied heavily on that and hope it worked out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of a brief Toyota stint. I've only fished six total, so I wasn't feeling super confident going into it, but I wasn't, I didn't feel, I just try not to, you know, you know how it is if you enter a big event, you feel that kind of daunting feeling of you got to catch them. Nope. Uh, to try and avoid that, I would just try not think about it or get too in my head about it. I would just go fish, let the fish tell me what's going on, uh, pay attention, and then maximize, you know, my time and everywhere I checked all on tournament day so i try not to beat fish up too bad and then just go milk run everything on, on tournament day with my best bet i felt like yeah the northern the northern division is a good division to jump into uh, for a couple of reasons that you identified one is like honestly florida guys do good up north like if you look at scott martin that dude crushes on champlain bobby lane crushes on the potomac like, there's a pretty good history of, like, really successful Florida anglers, like, translating it well to that part of the country. And then it's also the way that division sets up from a point standpoint is not everyone fishes all of it because you'll have a big chunk of Potomac locals and then you have a big chunk of Northern locals. And, like, they don't all mix through, which, like, we kind of saw in the final point standings and the final event where, like, Alec and Brett, you know, who are leading the points going into it, right? They didn't really have great events and you had a really good event and you ended up almost knocking them off for AOI. And like that, like that actually kind of a little bit helped you in that you didn't really know everything. You, you weren't like locked in on this. I'm a smallmouth guy and you got to just be versatile and figure things out as it, as it came to you throughout the year. Yeah, I'd uh, 
it's kind of funny too because I learned so much. I'd never, you know, down in Florida, you know, very minimal, if any, deep water, clean water stuff. You know, I hardly yeah. ever fish offshore. Um, almost all my good Florida finishes are on a swim jig or frog or <laughs> wormant or something like. I mean, like two and a half or less is where I make my money usually. Dollar yep. pads, you know, solid grass. That's that's what I like to do. Punching something like that. Um, so it was funny because I'd never even. I'd never caught a tournament fish on a drop shot till Champlain. Oh my God. I'm not joking. I'd never <laughs> caught a tournament fish That's on a drop amazing. shot at Champlain. And then, uh, I'd never, I'd never done any active target stuff. That was, I never even caught them like watching them on active target, like really watching them until yeah. that event on table rock. Like I was like, it was so cool to me because I'd never actually really done that. Yeah. I actually um, got to actually throw to them and watch them come up and eat. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. Like it's I'd a rush see, seeing it happen. I love it. <laughs> it was getting me pumped up, but uh, Champlain, I did. Uh, it was kind of crazy how I fished and just kind of did my thing there. But I did shallow and then did some like actual trying to watch betting fish, like smallmouth, and then I did shallow largemouth stuff, skipping yeah. docks, fishing grass fields. Um, day one was just really fortunate because I found some fish and it just all worked out, you know. Because like I'd seen. I think like second day of practice or first day of practice, I seen like a almost five pound largemouth just cruising, just in a, in a big, you know, uh, grass edge, like those pencil reeds or whatever they are up there. I don't know what you guys call them, but pencil reeds to pencil me. Pencil reeds, yep. Pencil reeds to me, and they were just cruising, and there was a really small stretch loaded with probably, I, I couldn't even tell you how many fish, I don't even remember, but it was just a ton of largemouth, just a teeny little section of it loaded with life um in like a protected little area i found it i was like oh there's something to that i ran a ton of that pencil grass stuff after that and never found anything similar to that but i'd seen that one big fish like five pounder or so cruising shallow and i was just like i'm gonna keep him in mind and so i came back like right before the tournament just to check that and see if that weight was still hanging out you know in that section and uh, way less fish. There were still, you know, decent numbers. But I saw that big fish cruising. It kind of looked like it wanted to be on a bed because there was a couple largemouth I saw on beds. But it wasn't really locked in. It was just kind of cruising. And I ended up catching it tournament day. Came in there, found it about 30 feet or so from where I found it the day before, just cruising. That's and caught so it. cool. And uh, I just strung it together. I caught a four-pound smallmouth bedding or three or four-pound smallmouth, like right by the tournament ramp. And then ran way, I don't even know what it's called, but way uh, north, picked up yep. that large mouth, and then ran way back down and just dock after dock, just plucked off like three and change large mouth one after another on day one and put together like 19 pounds. 19 something, I don't remember what it was, but 19 something. So, yeah, that's a, that, that's cool. And like then, you know, you have a good tournament, you get a check, and which I think you got to check in that one, right? You finished pretty well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so far every every toy that I've fished, I've cashed a check. I think I fished six. That's awesome. Yeah, so you get it. You you do good. You get paid. You it keeps you ticking for the next one. Uh, you go to the St. Lawrence, and you finish twelfth. You make you get to fish day three, which I would was that your first day three cut probably. Or, that was my first day three cut in the yeah, northern division. I had yeah Harris Chain. You made you made the cut. Yeah. First toilet I ever fished, I ended up, I was fortunate. Oh, man, that must have been epic. That but that was coming off of a ABA win, actually. I'd caught, like, a month before, I'd caught, like, almost 26 pounds. 
and uh, won that ABA there. And so there was a Toyota coming up. I said, let me fish it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So I fished that. And, <laughs> yeah, I kind of fished sloppy that week, but it was all right. It worked out. It'd be fine. Yeah, no doubt. What about, so tell me about the Northern Division, because I remember, or well, the Potomac and, and AOI. Uh, I am going to be totally honest. I counted you out for AOI. I was like, it's these top guys. This is probably what it's going to come down to, barring disaster. And then it wasn't even total disaster, but it was enough disaster, and you caught them enough that you like rocketed right up there, and literally Alec Morrison had to win tiebreaker by total weight, which is usually AOI doesn't come down to that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you think you were in it for AOI going into it, or were you like, I want to have a good well, tournament? I will. <laughs> I, I, for me, it's always just keep plugging, have a good tournament, okay. just focus on the now. You can't change what happened yesterday, and you have minimal control i mean you got some planning over what happens tomorrow but you can really only focus on what happens right then so i try to just keep my head down and and stick to that and not get too in my head about things um but i knew i wasn't that far of a jump out of it um given that like like you said in the in the bfls um i got like top 10 in the i think i got third the second year BFLs I fished in like six this year and I felt like I had a bad year, but literally like what I've seen in points is if you can just stack good finishes away that before you know it, you can, you can jump pretty significantly pretty yeah, quick. If somebody's going to um, come back. Yep. Yeah. So I, I knew I was an eighth and I, I don't remember how many points I was off of first, but it was just tight. I knew it was kind of tight, semi tight, mm-hmm. you know, fairly tight to where I just figured a good finish will, will do well. Um, so I was just focused on trying to get a good finish. I do feel like I left a lot on the table. Um, not just, I, I missed one fish. I didn't really miss very many fish. It was mainly just not knowing those places enough. I felt like I, if I just would have, you know, yeah. had those key pieces of information kind of before I ever got there or started pre-fishing, I feel like it would have helped a lot. Also, um, none of those tournaments ever going into them, I was confident I was going to catch them. Um, because St. Lawrence, I never caught, like, you probably would think I sound like an absolute lunatic saying this, but I never caught more than three keeper fish a day on St. Lawrence for entirety of practice. I caught a seven and change. I caught a seven, like, 0.28. And Man, so, I have never caught a seven-pound smallmouth. That's so annoying. <laughs> I fished up here so much. God dang. That's awesome. I, oh, uh, man, congratulations. I, Dude, it was actually what did you, how did you catch it? Like, did you, were you thinking you were going to catch it or did it like, was it like a thunderclap yeah. from the sky? No, I had, uh, I had no clue. I'd, uh, actually, I think day one of practice, I got shallow and cause I'd done that on, uh, Champlain, but I mm-hmm. really didn't know what the fish do there. So after trying to do like deep things, like 20 to 15 feet, which really wasn't the, the depth window I should have been in for what I was doing. But I tried kind of out in there, even to like maybe 25, and I didn't find anything in a couple hours. I said, let me go look at some things, because I'm a big clean water guy. You'd think I'm a Florida guy. You know, I'm probably comfortable in mud, but like I like tannic water, but I got to be able to see a little bit, a little bit. And well, so like, up there, you know, if you fish the ocean a lot, like that's a lot of clean water. Yeah. Like you've got a well, lot of, it, like if you're fishing for snook or whatever, that's gin clear. Like you've got clean water opportunities for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, but by me. So I, I kind of, I, I love fish with my eyes and I love looking at things. So when it was kind of getting tough, I went up shallow and uh, I saw a fish that I felt like had to be over six. And then I caught one that was four something on a jerkbait, but it was like two fish really far spread apart. So I didn't have confidence doing shallow stuff, but it kind of got my wheels turning thinking, okay, this part of the lake's got, you know, size. I felt like, so I started snooping around in that part of the lake and then just did it deeper and uh, kind of took it out on, I don't know what you'd call it, almost like a, a flat, like a plat, plateau of something, kind of out in the channel a little bit to where I was getting some current on it. And yep. uh, yeah, I, the first time I found that, I, I only caught three keeper fish off that. That was actually my best date was I caught a two and three quarter, a three and like a quarter, and then I caught a seven pounder. And it was, I grabbed like, I'm talking like teeny boulders, like, you had a big, like, maybe yeah, yeah. foot and a half, two foot boulders. I seen, like, a little speck here, a little speck there. And in other parts of pre-fishing, I'd seen those big, like, chunk rock and massive points and just overwhelming amounts of rock. But I hadn't really fished, like, the smaller stuff yet. And I was like, I kind of like that it's at least sparse. First one I pulled up to, there was, like, three dots on it on active target. I kind of blew it up because I got way too close to it. I was still trying to get the active target thing figured out. So I got way too close to it, but in doing that, I saw, okay, a couple dots there, caught one, it was like two and three quarter. The next boulder I'd marked, caught a three on it, and then positioning from, because it was like the plateau was almost like Lake Okeechobee shape, so I was on like the bottom side working up the edge of it, and on that edge, there was a bunch of rock, and kind of just worked in between. I saw some dots, kind of like a head, uh, almost on nothing, or it was probably just hard bottom, like mussels or something like that. Um, but I just kind of bombed a drop shot up there and I went to pull tight and I was like, that's sweet. Set the hook. I didn't know how big it was when I boated it. I was like, that's gotta be like a five or what, like a six or something. I had, I literally had no clue. I'd never caught one that big. Um, yeah. and so I just, I really didn't know what I had to put on a scale, but that's kind of how that happened. And then I just kind of went there in the tournament run, uh, in the tournament, just milk ran everything, fish it all really hard, burn it to the ground. And that's kind of what made that happen for me. That's amazing. Like, that's a really, it's amazing to run out as far as you did on a few, just a few fish realistically in practice, right? And some quality, but like, really, it's not like, it's not like you, I don't think you felt like you were running to like the mother load. You were running out because like, that was what you found and you were going to go fish it. And it yeah, worked I, like, uh, and you were good enough that you found it and then actually caught uh, him in the tournament. That's so cool. Yeah. That w- it was funny because there was other tournament competitors that caught fish offshore on Champlain that literally I caught that seven pounder and I looked around and I was like, oh my gosh. And once I put it on scale, it said seven. I was like, holy crap. So I put it in the live well and went over a grass line to just get pictures with it. Yeah. And when I pulled off to the, to the grass line, like three different tournament competitors that were two of them were Florida guys. And one of them was another dude. I don't remember his name, but he did well on the Champlain event. And from what I saw in pictures, they were all doing offshore stuff and they graphed, yeah. I mean, dead over what I just caught it on. So I was like, wow. oh, I was stressed a little bit. Cause I was like, I'm going to be sharing this tournament day probably, but it was so just subtle, I guess. No, I literally didn't, I didn't deal with any tournament competitors on what I was fishing for those three days. Um, and I wasn't getting a lot of bites in practice. I'd maybe get like four a day or five a day, especially when I was fishing that part of the lake. There was places I caught more, but a lot of short fish and not very many, if any, measurable fish. So um, 
I kind of just stuck it out there, given that I knew side was, size was there. And some of the stuff that I found, I would just kind of look at it. And I wouldn't really fish it. Or I wouldn't try and catch them. If I did catch one, I'd just catch one and leave whatever I saw. But it was mainly it was mainly just all I had down there. Um, that's kind of what I was saying, too, how I felt like I left a lot on the table at points in times. Because if I just would have known what I had and known, hey, maybe go look for a little bit more of this, I felt yeah. like I could have really expanded on it because it got to the point where day two, like by 9 o'clock, I had like 22 pounds and caught like three fives back to back. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, I wish I graphed more because I, I ran out of some stuff and I just started circulating and jumping yeah. new stuff. But it's hard to jump new stuff when you don't know what's under the water because you got to graph it. And yeah, and like there, running from Messina, you have such a limited amount of time. Like you yeah. are fishing under a clock, like to yeah, an incredible degree. Yeah, and I was really feeling that when I was down there. Like, every morning when I put the trawl motor in, I'd be like, I'd look at my watch, and I'd be like, okay. I'd do the math in my head, I'd be like, okay, I got, like, five hours. I got four and three-quarter, whatever it was, and I had to go. Um, day one, I almost did not make it back. It was a long run. It was nasty. I don't know if you were out on the lake or taking photos that day. I wasn't, day, but, but was, I, I remember, like, weren't there storms that day in the afternoon? It was, it was, that was... A learning lesson for me um i let i remember i pulled the trauma i had 19 pounds i never fished a tournament there before either and i didn't know how it would shake out or what i'd really be sitting after day one yeah but to me i had 19 pounds of smallmouth, and i was like okay you know what i'm pretty satisfied with that i'm gonna get back early so i left probably 15 minutes earlier than i thought i needed to which would have been fine if it was slick calm because i'd done my math and i'm usually pretty good with my my boat yep. times but uh dude when it's an you know, hour and a half run. Cause I think it was like 80, 90 mile run. And, uh, by the time I got gas, I started, I was like, okay, we got to go a little bit. I got going and it got rough. And I, I mean, I got back with, you know, they give you that extra minute and I had, yeah, like they give you seconds. the up until 59 seconds or whatever, which yep. you don't, I, I don't think like, everyone knows that. <laughs> yep. I had like, I had like nothing on my extra minute. It was like, I was counting on my watch cause I had seconds. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember I was like, Holy cow. I I couldn't I couldn't believe I made it back and I I hate getting taxed and never had a late fish uh penalty and so like I just I didn't want that at all and it was just yeah. crazy run. I passed like four different tournament boats that were broken down. I actually broke a ton of stuff on my boat running back given it's an old boat and it was a, na a nasty run. And uh yeah, I broke all sorts of stuff I had to fix when I got off the water that day, but gosh. So you roll back you have 19.9 and you end up in 29th place. What did you, did you expect that? Did you think I've got 19 pounds? I'm good. Did you think I've got 19 pounds, but it's the St. Lawrence? Like, no, what was, I, what was your vibe at just after that whole day goes down? It seems like you must've been shot. <laughs> yeah. So, so kind of like for, for all of those Northern events and anywhere I've been that I haven't been before, I really have no clue what's going to happen. So I try not to put it in my head. I just fish how it felt in practice, you know, like gauge. Okay, let me, I'll take a guess. It'll probably take this, try and fish to that standard. And then after day one, then I actually get, you know, the measuring table of what I really need to look for. So then day two, you know, well, after day one, I'm like, okay, 19, I'll do the math. I fixed a bunch of stuff, put it at the water. And I was like, okay. So now I know it'll work because I didn't even know if I was going to catch five. It was like that for every, every new place I go. I'm like, just put five in the boat and then go from there. That's what I do. So 
you know, I, I wasn't even sure if I was going to catch five when I, when I left the ramp that morning and, uh, given I caught 19 and where I was sitting, I was like, okay, it works. That's out of the way. Figure out how to get those bigger fish and maximize it. So I started running some fresher stuff that I didn't get time to hit, you know, cause I had shortened window and I grabbed a good bit. I spent a lot of time graphing, but there just wasn't a lot. You graph a lot and find a small thing, graph a lot, find a small thing. So I didn't have a lot of those small things to string together given, you know, I kind of caught on to that pattern later than I would have liked to. And yeah. so I just, I maximized all that day two and, you know, kind of let it go from there. But I, I used day one to gauge, but I had no clue how it would shake out. That's awesome. It's a, I mean, you really, you put together a really, really good season. Um, and you did it on a lot of unfamiliar waters, which like makes it doubly impressive. And then, you know, you qualified for the invitationals and you told me you signed up, you put your deposits down. Uh, but you're also not entirely sure if you have enough, if you have the fun, you don't really have the funds to fish the entire season. So you're, you're going out on another leap of faith here. What's, uh, yeah. what made you sign up for them for next year? And, and then what are sort of your like expectations for the year? Yeah. So I, I, it was a big thinking moment for me because it's 30 grand in entry fees. Yeah. Um, so it's 30 grand in entry fees. I was also tossing up, you know, the opens, um, which is 18 grand. So that was kind of the two place I wanted to go that yep. or I'd like to do more Toyotas, but given if it's trying to qualify for something, it was either, you know, go MLF, go bass. So, and I, it doesn't really matter to me what I fish as long as I'm trying to pursue a professional career. So, uh, you know, doing it. And so after really, really thinking about it, one of the big tipping points was I've kind of already got some familiar familiarity with uh, MLF. So it was like, well, you kind of not want to sink that ship before it's really sailing, you know? Yeah, like you're um, in the system a little bit. You like, yeah, you know I got some the people, you it. just sort of know how some things work. Yeah. You have, yeah. So I figured, okay, that's a, that's a nice helping point. It is 30 grand, six tournaments, but then I can focus on those six tournaments. Um, and six is the thing that I always come back to. And I, I'm not trying to sell anyone one way or the other. Like, honestly, I want, I always, I want people to make like whatever the decision is best for them. But me personally, nine tournaments all over the country, I would have it's a lot. such a hard time, like just managing that schedule, especially if you wanted to go pre-practice some places, you know, yeah. go idle for a day or something. But like, it just seems like it seems yeah, like a it's, really it's, a lot, and six seems actually a lot more manageable. Like it seems like a big difference. Yeah, six to six to nine. Yeah, so I kind of thought about it. I did like that opens has less entry fees, more tournaments. You know, you're not yep. making as much if you do really really well, but it's you know you got nine chances instead of six to to cash your coins. Yeah, and, and if you knock out a couple top left. tens, like that can pay for some pretty solid amounts of tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I also, uh, another thing, geez, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, there was another thing on the MLF route that really made me want to kind of go with that. Um, but yeah, I kind of waited out for a while before yeah. and I kind of ventured with it. The well, best thing, it would. It's a big decision. Like, either way, you should, like, definitely, it's something you, you want to think through, you know? Because you're deciding yeah. about theoretically your future. You're deciding what you're going to basically dedicate your whole life to. The, upcoming year like it's a big deal yeah yeah for sure um 
I know that it's a little daunting given that I probably won't get to pre-practice for most, if any, of the uh, the Tech Warehouse Invitational. I'm going to try to, but I don't know how it'll shake out yet, um, just given work schedules and flexibility and, you know, got to make money. So, uh, you know, I can I can only do so much. I, I would love to pre-practice, but also I'm most likely going to get only about three days. So that was something that I didn't feel quite as good about. Uh, but what actually the other thing I was going to say is the another thing that drew me to, to the invitationals was you have to qualify them for them, you know, to be yeah. there, which, you know, the opens you don't. So that alone is kind of because like, you know, it's like, OK, I pass on the I pass on the, uh, you know, the opens this year. You can still enter them the next year as long as you got the funds. You pass on the invitationals this year. You can't enter the invitationals yeah, yeah. unless you bust your behind again for a year. So that was a big thing I didn't want to miss out on. Also, I might not be 100% right, but from what I saw in trying to look at, um, you know, the entry fees and stuff, also looking at the, like, payment dates, is that the boat to get on the MLF train started before the bass train, and then, you know, therefore in my brain would most likely fill up before the bass train. So meaning if I said, you know what, let me hold off on the invitationals to try and do bass. And then I tried to do bass and bass was filled up and I couldn't get on bass. Oh, you're still a little bit scarred from last year where you were like, just then, yep. the options ran away from you. Yep. Then I okay. wouldn't be able, then I go, okay, well, let me go back to, inv- oh, they're gone. So that was also a little kind of like a, I do, I, I'll tell you what, the very last thing I want to do is throw away another year. So yeah, I said, uh, you know, I, it's a, it's, you know, and exposure is exposure whether it's on one or the other you know i'll feel good about any exposure i'll take what i can get so you know i i don't really care that much about that just doing one of them it will be a, a i feel like a really good learning experience you know you pick up a, a, a lot of a lot of you know new tech new uh you know relationships with people and um, you know new techniques and all sorts of things like that just on the road and, and doing that and bumping shoulders with guys like that so i figured you know what just you know, I yeah. kind of waited till the very end of the invitational sign up <laughs> thing because I was stressing about it. And I was up at uh, Table Rock too, you know, thinking about it. So I had a tournament going on as well. Yeah. So I was kind of, you know, trying to juggle it all. And then, you know, while driving back, I just said, you know what, don't let that ship sail. Just, just do it. So I, you know, paid my pennies and figured I'll fish as many as I can. I intend to fish all six and I think I'll be able to fish all six. But uh, I know in my personal pocket, I have enough to pay for probably or just out of pocket my own dollar you know without well, you I, know yeah, I, or whatever I, ideally you know either you you make some money in them or you pick up some sponsor dollars or you know ideally it's not a problem by the end of the year if things yeah. go really well um yeah so you've been to champlain before i guess you've been to kentucky lake like a little bit have you been anywhere else on that list for the schedule or is it going to be a really big learning year again? It'll probably be a big learning year. To be honest with you, I don't really remember what the whole schedule is. And uh, that kind of all fall. You'd be like, really dude, you just are betting 30 grand. You don't, you know, think you're a little better. <laughs> but I, I try not to, I, I genuinely like the actual mindset. It's not an accident. I try and genuinely just not focus on it until it's close. So it's not, cause you know how it goes. You'll, you'll start looking up tournament results and you'll hear, you know, Okeechobee was one on a this or that in this area. And so before you ever, you ever gone there, you're setting on one thing that's old, yep. you know? So like, I try not to, I try to just not leave it till last minute and procrastinate, but 
not make it a huge deal in my head and, and really think crazy about it and, and what the schedule is and well what are your realistic chances of you doing well there or not just let the lake do you know they're fish and at the end of the day you're fishing uh it's really not you're that's this is kind of a thing i say but you're not really fishing you're fishing against the names on the leaderboard mm -hmm. you know and the guys but you're really not fishing against those guys what you're really fishing against is the fish the guy that figures the fish out the best is the guy that takes on the dollars so that's what it is you know the name it's phenomenal but like i'm no better than the next guy if it comes to me having a bad day on the water so it's really about figuring out the fish and so i just try and fish the moment stay in that whole realm and not let everything else you know take its toll on on you mentally that's kind of how i try and handle it but i yeah i've been to champlain i've been to kentucky lake i forget what the rest of the schedule is but i know i haven't been to sam rayburn i've never been to anything in texas or in that whole yeah, area yeah um, oh, I've been to Ufala. That's the other one. Ufala. Okay, I yeah, that would make sense that you've been there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're not if you're not big on looking forward too much, right? Do you do yeah. you set goals? Do you do you have an idea of like what a successful year is, or are are you just going to go in and just do the best you can in every tournament you fish, and what happens happens, or is it like, man, I really want to win win rookie of the year, or I want to make X number of checks. Like, do you have that kind of stuff in your head or not really? I, I, I usually don't. I try and stay away from it. Um, and given that's because like all my, any like really high finish or tournament win, it doesn't come from me really thinking about it. Like a lot of it comes on the fly decisions or, you know, thinking things through, but for that day on the water, feeling the conditions, just fishing natural, uh, I guess you'd say, like, not trying to, like, do the, the fish math and figure out, you know, whatever. I just, I, I don't really know how to put it, but it's, I, I would just call it fishing natural. It's kind of how I try and do it. Yeah. So I don't have any massive goals other than don't lose all my money and, uh, you know, fish really, really hard and, and put fish in the boat. That's pretty much kind of how I try and do it at this stage in the game. I feel like uh, if I had the finances a little better, you know, taken care of i probably would branch out a little bit more into the future but it's kind of really difficult to do that if you also don't really know what all you're going to be able to do so i do feel good about although i've never been to sam rayburn i mean they're big fish i like targeting big fish um yeah. it's i haven't read up a ton about it but just from seeing events there and stuff i mean it's got timber kind of looks like what I would think on the graph, Eufaula looks like Eufaula's got a bunch of standing timber. I just fished there. Yeah. It's said something about brush piles, and somebody said something about hydrilla. So I got hydrilla. I got some shallow stuff maybe. Um, it's early in the year. I, I would assume it's probably pre-spawn from what I've heard, you know, in tournament time. So um, a little bit offshore stuff, but that's kind of what I did on uh, Eufaula. Um, that's, I, that was that regional I just fished there. I got like ninth in that, and uh, – I never fished there either, but same sort of a concept. So, yeah, just kind of trying to take it day by day, though. That's kind of how I usually do it. Nice. Nice. Um, well, I guess to sort of wrap things up, because we've talked for a while now, and it's been it's been cool to get to know you some, to hear about your yeah. whole season. Um, and there's definitely, like, there's more stuff to follow up on. Um, but uh, what a... Where can folks find you? I know you've got some social media, and if there's anything else that you know you want to shout out or plug or whatever, now's the time. 
Uh, well, I keep all my social media stuff. Try and try and make it easy. So pretty much uh, Ben underscore McCann underscore on Instagram. It's a great place to find me there. Or just Ben McCann on YouTube. Those are mainly the two avenues I focus on right now. Um, anybody I want to shout out would be my parents. Although they might not be the biggest bass fishermen, they are by far my uh, biggest supporters. You know, they'll stick by my side through anything. And uh, just a great family. So I appreciate them. Um, also big shout out to, uh, Keith, the owner of Powell Rods. He's awesome. Um, great getting in touch with him, uh, you know, over the past like two years through the BFL and all that stuff. And, uh, they make phenomenal stuff. I love using them. Um, and they've helped me, uh, kind of with all my success I've, I've had go on. Um, also impulse lithium, big shout out to them. They keep my boat running flawlessly and, uh, I run all Daiwa reels. So Daiwa, but outside of that pretty light awesome awesome well uh it's two ends for mccann although if you're listening i mean you're like literally going to be in the title so that won't be too hard to find uh but bandy thanks for uh coming on i really appreciate it i wanted to like i wanted to try to give you your due because you had such a good year in the northern division and then just generally speaking find out more about you because not often you see a old triton from florida rocking away in the northern division and i thought that was like it was just a highlight of my season. I was like, what is going on with this guy? And so now I know and you crushed it. And I can't wait to, you know, see more of you next year. Cause I'll be there. At a lot of the invitationals I suspect. Yeah. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it was one wild year and uh, I really just enjoy it. I really just am very thankful for the opportunity to be here and, and just a little more exposure and try and keep the train rolling on, on my end. Yeah.